Hello, this is And Planes Been Abroad with your boy Ray Franklin. I'm here hanging out today, enjoying this Sunday afternoon after church and chores, just sitting around ready to do this episode of the podcast. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. So today we're going to talk about what was on everybody's mind the last few months and definitely in the last week. That is the Derek Chauvin trial and just the uh, situation surrounding uh, the death, the murder, the killing of George Floyd by him and my thoughts on just the whole culture regarding it and and around it. So let's get started. So again, this started last May um, 2020 during the COVID shutdown around the world and the country. Um, Allegedly, Mr. Floyd um, committed a crime, counterfeit bill, $20 bill. The media never reports accurately or clear. So without an arrest report, incident report or anything like that, the, the thing that happened, though, is a, a bystander, a uh, young woman, uh, videotaped uh, former officer Derek Chauvin um, with his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck and Mr. Floyd uh, begging for his life, saying he couldn't breathe and please, please, please. And then Chauvin with his hand in his pocket and one of the images smiling as uh, George Floyd life passed before the whole world. So. It, it, it's a starting reminder of what we African-Americans face in this country. Uh, when we talk about racism, of course, I do believe in systemic racism uh, because people are systems and people are racist. And if you're a racist police officer, you can do damage to a, a black person's life. If you're a racist judge, racist prosecutor, racist defense attorney uh, in the criminal justice system, you can do a lot of damage to black people's lives. A lot of damage has been done in our lives in the system. And every system is created by evil people with evil rules. So I do believe, in spite of the success of, as Lindsey Graham said this morning on Fox News, of former President Obama and current Vice President Harris, I do believe that there is systemic racism in this country and that America's original sin is foundational white supremacy, which I've talked about in other podcasts. And that sin seems to be what this nation would rather burn down to the ground than repent for. And I'm not here to talk about reparations or anything like that. I don't believe in reparations. The people who deserve reparations were my ancestors who were slaves. uh, And the ones who were freedmen who went through horrible segregation for a century. They deserved reparations, not me. I live in a world that is a lot better than they lived in. But systemic racism still remains. And I think that's the the problem that Chauvin has shown me is that, yes, America has made progress. I mean, 50 years ago, you can imagine uh, Barack Hussein Obama becoming president. Can I pronounce his name first? I don't want to say Kamala Kamala, but uh, former Senator Harris, now Vice President Harris being vice president. And you have maybe in the future you have a, as the term goes, foundational black American like myself becoming president which we still haven't had yet we still haven't had a president who both of their parents were descendants of African slaves like me my family is the son of African slaves and European slave owners and European farmers so that that's what I am I'm a quote unquote foundational black American as the sociologists like to call myself but we still haven't had a president yet that was one of those that one of us that came from you know that type of you know, up from slavery uh, type of life. We don't, you know, Senator, you know, uh, former President Obama, who also was a senator before then, um, he, you know, his mother was Caucasian. His, his dad was a Kenya, African from Kenya. 
Senator Harris, you know, her father is a black Jamaica, a man from Jamaica, and her mother was from India, South Asian. So she's multicultural. They're both multicultural. They're both, as uh, we call the United States, people of color. But uh, neither one of them are foundational black Americans. We haven't had one yet. We haven't had someone like Tim Scott. You know, I've said before, I'm a Republican. You know, if Tim Scott becomes president, he will be the first foundational black American president. And on the Democratic side, Cory Booker. Cory Booker is a foundational black American, so he would be the first. Uh, Val Demings, uh, it was, I believe, I think, uh, who's up in our, you know, congressperson around Orlando. She would be the, if she became president. So it, it, it's really hard. And that's the thing that really sort of, when you look at it, you know, us who are descendants of slaves on all sides of our family, as I am, descendants of slaves and slave owners and overseers. And it, it, we, 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 you know, we still haven't had that representation at that level yet. And that does make us think about the system that the two people, the two black people, quote unquote, who have been in those positions are both multi-ethnic and neither one of them are descendants. You know, yes, African slaves landed in Jamaica. I know that, but not the lower 48, not the, you know, not Georgia. My relatives were slaves in Georgia, South Carolina, you know, came through that way. So uh, settled in, you know, central Georgia, Florida. Uh, migrated to the Northeast, you know. So my wife's family, my wife's family was owned by the famous South Carolina, you know, famous Confederate general, very famous general. My wife and my children, uh, Wade Hampton, as I mentioned before, when I look at my children, uh, you know, they are descendants of a very famous and popular for people who are in the Civil War, uh, Wade Hampton. So they are his descendants. So that is, of course, again, byproduct of slavery. You know, he had biracial black kids that he were illegitimate that he pushed out somewhere on a farm and hit white kids who were there so but that was the way things went you know it was wrong it was wicked and and it was discrimination but again those people who suffered that hell they deserve reparations us i just want changes in the system for good and i want changes back to chauvin i want bad cops held accountable again that policing always has to evolve it's always changing law enforcement has to change everything has to change we don't do things the way police don't do the things the way they did in your 1850 you know you have to adapt and change with the time investigation change technology recruiting these things have to change so policing continually has to change but Chauvin, I think the thing you have to show people is apart from the narratives in the media, again, everybody has a narrative for their point. You turn to CNN, there's one narrative. You turn to Fox News, there's another. You turn to um, even different hosts on Fox News have different opinions. You turn to MSNBC, you can, you know, different narrative as well. You go to the more extremes, Vice News, OAN. Uh, they're going to have different views about it as well. But here's the view that everybody keeps missing. Very simple. A police officer killed a man I thought it was funny I say that because of not of my opinion but looking at him listening to Mr. Floyd beg for his life and Chauvin smiling and grinning with his hand in his pocket just like he could care less and that and that is my interpretation of that body language and, and watching him die and 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 Chauvin, you know, the jury, apart from all the foolish things said by everybody on the right and the left, apart from all the junk, looking at the facts of the case, it was very simple. He, mur- he murdered the guy on videotape and um, thought it was no big deal. I don't know what's going to happen to Chauvin. I don't trust the system. I don't I don't trust it after Emmett Till, which is historical. I don't trust it after Philandro Castile, which is recent. 
which again, you had a situation where he, he did what the police officer told him to do and got shot dead and the officer walked scot-free. Uh, the jury uh, found the officer not guilty, which I was still scratching my head like, how? And uh, when he said, hey, don't go for your gun, I'm not going for my gun, go for your ideal, and to get shot dead. So it, it, it's, it's you know, his last words were, you know, on the video, I'm not reaching for my gun, so. And uh, that was it. And, and, and so um, that jury did not give Mr. Castillo justice. And a lot of times you don't get justice. I look at, I've talked before about Freedom Summer. Uh, they didn't get justice. You know, uh, the judge who sentenced the federal side, you know, said uh, all he did was kill a Negro, a Jew boy, and one white boy. And I gave him what I thought was fair. And I just, for the judge to say that, a federal judge to say that from the bench, it's, it's just scary. That type of, but that was, again, that was 57 years ago. Uh, this June, 56 years ago to the day last year, which is why I focused on it so much. And I think about Cheney and Goodman and Swerder, and I just think about, you know, people trying to make this nation better and try to make this world better and how it was rewarded with them being shot and buried in an earthen dam in Mississippi. So I just look at that type of them, and that was the law enforcement. Again, it was, you know, the sheriff's deputies who were members, you know, members of the Ku Klux Klan and associates of the Klan that did that to them. And it wasn't done by a roving band of marauders. It was done by, you know, racist sheriffs, racist law enforcement. And you read the stories about people who've had drugs planted on them and their careers ruined, lives stolen. And then later on, they found out that the officer who did it was racist. And, you know, hundreds of lives ruined because of one racist police officer. So when you look at that, you have to get rid of the bad apples. You have to get rid of the bad actors. And you have to make a distinction also between the bad actors and good actors. So again, so while Chauvin, you know, murdered Floyd, there was a white officer out there working to look for a black girl who had been kidnapped or working to find a black family who had someone in their family murdered to find their killer, to find someone's rapist, uh, to make a difference. And you have to separate those who make a difference in the black community, no matter what they are, whether it's a white officer, black officer, Latino, Asian, uh, you know, working to make a difference in the black community, to bring justice and some type of justice in a broken system. Um, there are a lot of more, a lot of, thank goodness there are a lot more people out there like that than are Derek Chauvin's. And uh, I appreciate good police officers and I've run across them and had a chance to work with some of them and I've run across my fair Chauvin's and um, they end up where they, and they all belong where he belongs, which is in the slammer. And again, he may not stay there because again, I don't trust the system. They could say mistrial. The judge could say, I don't agree with the jury's verdict, throw all the charges out. I've seen that happen before. Um, we had that situation happen in Florida where a person was convicted uh, for, by a jury and the, they threw out the conviction on appeal and, and the guy walked scot-free in this world. So, And I had a co-worker, a prosecutor that I know, I know her now, and she talked about Caesar's justice and God's justice. And what we do here in America is Caesar's justice. We're a government with all these systemic problems, trying to work things out. Again, if you're poor and white and you're going against somebody who's rich and white, you're going to lose. And and, and, that, and that's the reality. Um, again, O.J. Simpson walked for very little different reasons because, again, he had what? He had money. He had fame. He had great attorneys on his side. He also had a lot of errors made by the prosecution who brought the case. And he had a, a systemic racism issue that uh, was dwelling in Southern California. You watch the, the great, great documentary 
about O.J. Simpson uh, that was on ESPN 30 for 30. It was outstanding. It was long. It was good. It was detailed as well. Then the FX show they did. It was that was corny. That was tacky. But again, you know, it, it brought out some truths. Uh, I thought I thought the actors did well. Uh, you know, John John Travolta as Shapiro was was pretty good, and, and uh, Courtney Vance as Johnny Cochran, the late Johnny Cochran, was outstanding. But I think Cuba Good Jim was a little weird as OJ because he's so physically small. And OJ Simpson's such a big physical man, and Cuba, no disrespect, is a little <laughs> lot smaller than OJ. He doesn't have uh, OJ's big, you know, physical athlete body, you know. And uh, so, so, but you have that, and, and you have, you know, you get the civil verdict where he was found guilty, the verdict later where he was found guilty for the armed robbery. So uh, you have that sort of, you know, those teeter tot things of justice that you see. Uh, but, but again, as I told people, you know, O.J. Simpson, you know, going free for the alleged murder that he was indicted and went to trial for, did not change anything racially. For the again, for the people who were killed for Eric Garner. For Sandra Bland, uh, definitely for, for in this situation for Floyd, even Chauvin being convicted, even Chauvin if he gets sentenced, you know where I feel he should be sentenced, even if he spends his time to get a couple of decades in state prison, Mr. Floyd is still dead, and and George is still dead, and 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 there's nothing that can change life. I think about Breonna Taylor, and I just think about that situation and. How again? I put myself in everybody's position. I'm at home. Police are coming in one in the morning. Fire a shot. I'm gonna get shot back. You know, I, I still. I think the thing about Breonna Taylor that always puzzles me. I mentioned it last season. Is how did her boyfriend fire and not get hit? But she got hit and didn't fire. So it it, it just sits there and scratches your head. I hope the FBI and the federal authorities are looking into it, and it's a federal investigation for civil rights and other things. But I hope they can answer that question. Also, which officers firearm, which you know round or rounds were found in, and which what does ballistics say? What does science say? And even that, still, if you're beyond Taylor's family, you don't care about science. You know, you look at these police shootings, whether they're in policy or not. If you have a situation where locally we had one in Florida where a guy had a long gun, he was firing, police officer fired back and shot and killed him. His family still was furious with the police officer. And that's a situation where everybody understands that, you know, that type of use of force when you have a person firing at police officers who's wanted for other felonies and the police officers firing back, even though still, if it was my relative, my son, you wouldn't care. You, you want your relative to live. You want your relative to live in. And on the other side, too, if you're a relative of a police officer or a police officer, you want them to live as well. So uh, you want that type of distinction where you want to make sure everybody wants to come home alive. And uh, no matter what the numbers are, yes, more unarmed white people are killed uh, by the police than unarmed black people. More white people are actually killed in police action than black. I think it's 2020, since being in 2020, uh, it's like 300 of us, 300 African Americans have been killed. But law enforcement counters, 500 whites have been killed. So again, you, you you can't make that up. Again, a solid number of all the police killings in the United States in recent years, two percent would have two percent would have unarmed black people. More unarmed whites are killed by police than unarmed blacks. And uh, even recently, you had an unarmed white teen killed in Maryland. But once they found the team was white. Of course, again, news media threw it away because the news media want, as I said, the narratives, they're, they're trying to sell. Again, Fox News is trying to sell a narrative to this audience. 
you know, and CNN and MSNBC are trying to sell there to their audiences. And, and then just neither one, all three of them are just lying. None of them are telling the truth. None of them are, are basing the facts on none of them care about solving the issues we have in this country, whether it's gun violence, racism, sex trafficking, um, whatever it is, racial issues. None of that changes that. So with Shaw, I just want to see what happens going forward. And even what going forward, it still doesn't feel like justice. It still doesn't. You know, I look at it, you know, I think about what happened with Dylan Roof. And Dylan Roof was not a police officer. He was just a racist thug, a racist monster, a racist savage, a racist animal that massacred black people that welcomed him in church as a brother in Christ. And that's what we Christians do. We're supposed to, when I'm a Christian, uh, welcome people, whether they're the same ethnic group as us or not, to Bible study, learn about God. He sat there with them, he prayed with them, and then he shot them uh, because he hated them. And, and, and he hated the church uh, because it was a historical black church and he hated black people and he wanted to do And he's he's alive. He's alive even if he wasn't alive. Even if the police officer had shot him or if he hung himself or, or something happens, he can't bring back what he, what he took from uh, our brothers and sisters, and first in the faith and second in flesh in South Carolina. And... I just really, really, really know, and Christians, that's our role to believe that God one day through the suffering of Christ and the resurrection of Christ will bring healing from the tears. You know, it says in Revelation over and over again that God himself will wipe away every tears from our eyes. And and like Tupac said, we shed so many tears. DMX, we just passed away recently, talked about the pain he's going through. A lot of people are going through pain. And, and the pain that we have gone through as African-Americans in this world, uh, in this nation, in this system, there's God is one day, I, I believe my God one day is going to wipe those tears away. For us who have faith in Christ, that he's going to wipe those tears away. And um, I, I do think this, though, our blackness and the way it's treated, that's a blessing for him. That he, before time began, purposed us to have to be black, to be foundational black Americans, to be people of color, whatever they want to call sociologists want to earn a degree and call us today. All, all they do is think of labels. That'll be another episode. They get themselves degrees and make themselves more money and more acclaim and more pride. But whatever label they want to throw on us, which I really don't care for. I know God, before time began, purposed me to be what we call black and purposed me to be in Jesus Christ and purposed me to be in this nation. So the thing is, what do we do to make it better? Again, you know, this is a time to be in law enforcement. This is a time to make change. This is a time to do real reform. This is a time for us, for those in law enforcement, to say, you know what? We don't want Derek Chauvin's in our profession. We don't want dirty cops in our profession. We don't want bad cops in our profession. We want good cops in our profession. One of the cops that we know that work hard and do the right thing every single day. We want those to feel appreciated, and we want more of them. And we want the cops that saved, and I got to do another one, a podcast on 1-6. You know, think about the cops there, that the United States Capitol Police. Think about D.C. Metro, how they saved the Republic. We want more of those. We want more of them that were to save the Republic that day. We want more, more of them, more people like them, and no people, and less people like Chauvin. And I just wish people could just step out their view. Step out their view and see this what it was he was a man who I don't care if he had got found not guilty I don't care if he, he if, if the judge throws it out he walks free or whatever or, or somehow the, the governor of Minnesota pardons him or whatever happens I know he murdered George Floyd and God knows he murdered George Floyd 
And Chauvin will have to answer for that before God and God's justice. Nobody's going to be able to buy their way out of that judgment. Nobody's going to be able to foundational white supremacy their way out of it, to call their cousin or aunt or uncle for a favor out of it. No man, no matter what race or what title, whatever power they had, it means nothing before the judgment of God. And everybody will have to answer for that. For us in Christ, still got a paper for the judgment seat of Christ. Say, hey, what did you do? And for those who don't, wrath for them. But that's God is that judge, I believe. Again, I'm a Christian, so I'm coming from a Christian viewpoint. I know a lot of my listeners are atheists, agnostic. I have a few Muslim listeners as well. I know you guys are finishing up Ramadan. Peace to you. Peace be unto you. Um, as a Christian, I believe that God's final judgment will speak to whoever lived in time for what you have done. And that you will never get away from. And that's what it's about. Me, I have the atonement. There's all the wrath of God in Jesus Christ. So thank God for that. And Mr. Chauvin, you know, of course he could repent. Of course he could be free. Of course he could have that atonement in Christ. But repentance is real. Repentance would be him to admit that, hey, you know what? Drop my appeals. For example, that situation that happened in Texas. Here she, you know, here the, the brother forgave her and the judge gave her a Bible. And then she wants to appeal the conviction. That's not repentance to me. If you, if you, if real repentance is, you know what? I killed this dude accidentally like she did in Texas. And I mur- thought, you know, I was out of it. I thought I was in my apartment. I thought he brought, I killed him. I did it. I was wrong. You know what? I need to do the time. That's real repentance. Not, oh, I'm going to need to be appealed because of this or that. I don't want to be. No, that's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is owning up to your penalty of what you have done. That's not what she did. That's not what she's doing. And I haven't seen any repentance, any remorse or anything from Chauvin. Whether he got handcuffed and walked out. He didn't care. I've seen no remorse from him. He had a chance to take the stand and tell his side of the story. He didn't do that. He doesn't need to do that again. Again, we're bringing the prosecution. The government brings the charges to people, the state of Minnesota. They have to prove their case. He has him and his defense have to do absolutely nothing. That's the way the system goes. That's for everybody. But I've seen no remorse from him. I've seen no emotion or anything. As much as I saw no emotion and remorse when he killed Mr. Floyd and thought it was funny. Just chill. Just laughing, giggling. Didn't listen to his partners when they came and said, hey, you need to get off of him. Blew them off. Ain't blowing off now, is he? Ain't blowing him off now, is he? Not funny now, is it? One day, everybody that laughed, everybody that high-fived, everybody that drunk wine, everybody, the guys who killed Emmett Till and got away with it, Everybody that, even even if it's not racial, even if it's in the race, again, black-on-black violence is a terrible issue. A lot of unsolved black-on-black crime out there. A lot of people get away with it because witnesses don't want to testify because they're afraid of retaliation. Everybody who's laughed, from Stalin to Genghis Khan to Napoleon to those who laugh today who will get away, who may get away with it in this life, they're not going to get away with it in the end. So as my, my, my prosecutor friend told me, there will be God's justice. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. What's that verse we all love? You know, if you're a Christian, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, God shall not be, will not be mocked. What a man, human being, person, souls, that shall you also reap. And I can tell you, my dealings with God, you don't, you, don't, you don't play. You don't be mocked. Times I thought I got over, I didn't. I haven't. And I know that for a fact. And again, in this world, we still do have to work to make justice better. Both the Old and New Testament say that, and different other faiths say that. 
But we have to work to make things better. My thing is this. If you're in law enforcement, don't be a shopman. If you're a judge, be fair. If you're a prosecutor, be fair. If you're a politician, write fair laws. And the reforms to get rid of bad police officers, bad judges, bad prosecutors, bad public defense attorneys, write those reforms and enforce them. Because if you write a law and don't enforce it, it's useless. We had it for a whole century. We had the 14th and 15th Amendments. Guess what? Nothing was done for a whole century. Black people were denied full citizenship, even though 14th and 15th Amendments gave us that. And civil rights. They were given to us, and we didn't get them until a century later. What? That's right. Also, too, one thing that people keep forgetting, America is a recently integrated country. So there's still a lot of progress to be made. Yes, progress has been made. But America has a long way to go. A long way to go. But America's come a long way, too. The left, America hasn't come far enough. Don't look at the progress. The right only looks at the progress and, and not that we have a way to go. That's why I'm in the middle. Because I've seen the progress we made, the progress we're making, and where we're going. And that's what we need to keep doing. Keep growing. Keep fighting so we can repent. We can repent for the foundation of white supremacy and not OD on it. Because sometimes I'm afraid this nation would rather crumble itself to ashes than repent for foundation of white supremacy. And that's what Charlemagne is. He's just a symbol of that. He's a symbol of a nation, of, of a group of people who hate another group of people because they're the different ethnic group. And that's the and, and think that they can treat them any kind of way because they don't see them as human. And Chauvin did not see Mr. Floyd as human. Not at all. <laughs>